On this episode, we discuss friend request. Evil is trending. <laughs> Why did you do that? That was just the tagline for the movie. It's just the tagline. That's not a joke. That's... Flophouse. I'm Dan McCoy. Oh, hey guys. I'm Stuart the Man Wellington. <laughs> and this is Elliot wait, 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 the wait, Boy Kalen. <laughs> are you rethinking your, your nickname that you gave yourself, yeah. the man? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, do, let's, yeah, let me do this again. And I'm Stuart. I mean, I don't, I don't see. <laughs> I'm Stuart the Stuart Wellington. Oh, there you go. Yeah. I feel like you took a step backwards <laughs> with that one. I mean, but it's a very accurate nickname, and that's what we look for in nicknames is accuracy. Uh-huh. That's very true. Old blue eyes. He his eyes were blue and he got old. Yeah, very accurate. Yeah, uh-huh. uh, Jolton Joe DiMaggio. He could shoot electricity from his fingers that would make people jolt. Uh-huh. And he loved Jolt Cola. That's also part of it. And, yeah. and Bruce a- and Bruce Springsteen does employ people. I think. <laughs> I think he does. And a rod. He has rods and cones in his eyes, like we all do. I guess he could be called a cone as well. Mm-hmm. I'm, I don't know why they're just singling one rod out specifically, but maybe I don't know. Well, I think because uh, they want to emphasize the fact that he has good nighttime vision, oh, okay. as opposed to his cones, which would handle color. Oh, okay, I didn't know that. So, this welcome has been to the Flophouse. The op- we, <laughs> we talk about eyeballs and stuff. Yeah, this has been the Opthouse, the optometry podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, join us next time when we ask better one, or better two. Oh. Better now, or better now. Is that a better is this? That a, is that a glasses <laughs> or joke? It is better this. Is you, you with your perfect vision, uh-huh. don't understand <laughs> these hilarious jokes. Mm-hmm. So uh, when you go to the when you go to the glasses doctor, Stuart, uh-huh. uh, they show you to yep. see if you need glasses. What's, uh, what, is, what is a glasses doctor called? Uh, it's called a glassometrist. <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, or glass oculist. I'm okay. sorry. And uh, what they do is they show you imperceptibly different blurry images and ask you which one looks better. And half the time you're like, I, I don't know. I guess the second one, I don't I don't really remember. Mm-hmm. At least that's my experience. Yeah. I feel like I feel like the ideal optometrist uh, test is just seeing if you can tell if there's motion smoothing on the TV or not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that that detects the age of the of the viewer. Exactly. I, don't know, I don't know about the eyes. The best, the ideal optometry visit would be when you if you go to that guy who makes eyeballs in Blade Runner and he just gives you some perfect eyes, just sticks them in your head. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, you got to awesome. get you got to get there before Roy Batty kills him. Oh, okay. Is that, oh, is that what they say on the advertisement? Like, get on, yeah. come on down before Roy Batty kills him. <laughs> on the on the door it says hours. Opens nine a.m. Closes when Roy Batty kills me. But the advan- if you get there afterwards, there's a pretty decent chance he's gonna just do some sweet ass improv riffing <laughs> on space shit, and you're like, what? <laughs> this is crazy. <laughs> is this for like an album or something? <laughs> Uh, okay, uh, so this is a podcast where we watch a bad movie and then we talk about it, and oh, yeah. we're right smack dab in the middle of the most exciting time of the year. Uh-huh. As Shock- you can tell from Dan's general energy level, <laughs> most exciting time of the year. Shocktober, where we watch shockingly scary movies. 
Yeah, if you couldn't tell, Elliot, when I got here, Dan was passed out on his bathroom floor just wearing his cowboy boots. And I had, <laughs> oh, to, boy. I had to dust him off, put his hat on, shove him full of steroids, and push him out on stage. Oh, boy. We call that an inner space. Yeah. When, you, when you're just wearing underpants and cowboy boots. <laughs> oh, wait. Hold on there, Elliot. I didn't say nothing about underpants. Oh, <laughs> You thrust Too me out on stage. Wait, you thrust Too me out on stage wearing nothing but my cowboy boots. Too hot and a for hat. TV, guys. <laughs> well, thank God we're on the podcast waves then. <laughs> yeah. And what's what's weird is that you put you shoved him out on stage for a TED talk. <laughs> yep. And very difficult to do those when you're not wearing pants mm-hmm. for the obvious reason that your TED talk was about the importance of pants. Yeah. <laughs> and the audience was very unhappy, mainly because they expected to see Teddy Ruxpin. <laughs> <laughs> The ultimate TED Talk. <laughs> How many people do you think go to those things and just like walk away fucking pissed? Because they're like, there was no talking bear. I'm going to put that number in the low ones. <laughs> I'm going to underestimate as hard as possible what that number but, but, is, but, but maybe someone. But you're still saying above zero, which means my speculation actually works. Uh, I'm going to take a quick moment before we talk about this this episode's bad movie to mention a Teddy Ruxpin related story. <laughs> okay. That uh, uh, my wife was taking my son to uh, the Autry Museum here in Los Angeles, which is a great museum of the American West, mm-hmm. and they used to have an exhibit about toys that was up, a temporary exhibit. And one day they didn't realize when they went that the voice of Teddy Ruxpin was going to be there, <laughs> ostensibly promoting the new Teddy Ruxpin doll. But he was making like a personal appearance, and she said there were a bunch of guys in like their early twenties, so kind of too young to really have a Teddy Ruxpin doll when they were kids, who knew everything about Teddy Ruxpin and were like peppering this guy with very specific questions about Teddy Ruxpin. (laughs) (laughs) And it opened up a whole new world of fandom that I didn't even know existed. That's great. I just want to know what these sorts of questions were. I'm sure I'm sure Danielle approached these young men and were like, hey, would you like a babysitting job? I have two children that you (laughs) (laughs) probably will do horrible. I'm just joking. I'm not. I don't want to deride Teddy Ruxpin fans. Oh, no, but you're fine making a joke about horrible things happening to my children. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's talk about horrible things happening to children in the movie. Friend request. Friend request. So, Dan, tell us. This is Shocktober, and we watch scary movies. Why? Why this month in particular? Uh, Halloween. <laughs> Seems pretty okay. self-evident. Why, I, you know what? I feel bad that October gets totally judged by this one holiday. He's like, I'm scary for one day, and suddenly mm-hmm. I'm the scary month. Yeah. You know what? You know what? You don't call April tax month. And that's pretty scary, am I right? Uh, we don't call July Independence Month, uh, what, uh, and that's scary for I guess the people who lived here before the colonists came in. So how come? Why? Why am I just the scary month? And what would you say to October to kind of make him feel better? I'd be what like, be proud I'd of be like, role? just chill out, dude. What's wrong? <laughs> what crawled up your butt and died? <laughs> I mean, October. I feel like October is leading the pack when you. You know, in in informal polls of everyone's favorite month, I feel like October is always right up there. So I think that October should should just get over a fucking self. All right. Wow. Oh, that sound, that was very. Uh, you were, it sounded like you were really puffing them up, and then you brought some tough love at the end. Yeah, it sounds yeah. like we both uh, we met vinegar with more vinegar on that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the flies were like, "No, thank you." <laughs> so okay, this movie, friend request. Uh, this is a movie that. I'm just going to say right off the bat, Dan and I have a disagreement about how much this movie is similar to the last movie we did, yeah. Blumhouse's Truth or Dare. Uh-huh. But you, audience, you be the judge. Hey, we report, you decide. 
So let's let's should we just dive into friend request? Sure. The totally original story of a story we've never seen before. I didn't say that. And then, yeah, <laughs> it's clearly cobbled I, together yeah. from a bunch yeah. of horror. Dan thinks like, of this tropes. this story sprung whole cloth out of Zeus's skull. Uh-huh. Yeah, Dan was like, never how, more, why is everyone talking before seen? Dan was like, how come everybody was going on and on about Get Out when Friend Request is really the original horror story of the of the decade? Mm-hmm. But you'll be the judge. And so we and, open. And let's specify, there's like a zillion fucking friend requests, right? Yeah. Yes, this, there's like five movies on, on IMDb with the same name. So which one, so did, we, would, which one did we fucking watch? <laughs> we watched the one that came out in 2017. That's the easiest way to... This is the one, it was, I think, a German production in South Africa. It was shot in South Africa, but they did it in English because the actors were English. Mm. And so that's, I'm going to look up, it, it's directed by Simon Verhoeven, who is the son of a director named Verhoeven, but not Paul Verhoeven, who is not German, but is what, Dutch? Yes. Yep. So, and it's the one that stars Alicia Debnam Carey. Okay. And a bunch of other people. Uh-huh. Okay. That's uh so just look for a movie that stars a bunch of other people. <laughs> a movie that stars <laughs> So this movie is not Secret Honor, which has one superstar, cast member. Alicia Demda and Harry. She's on TV, right? I have no idea. Probably. Uh isn't there's somebody in there named William Mosley, and I was th- I had him confused with Bill Mosley from oh. the uh, Rob Zombie movies. That, that's okay. sad. Yeah, They're it's very it's, different. It's he's not on, that guy. Yeah. He's on TV too. So anyway. So it's the it's the 2017 friend, friend uh, or well techn- 2016 came out in America in 2017 friend request uh, mm-hmm. from Entertainment Studios. <laughs> <laughs> According from, to Wikipedia, from you'll like this movie studios. I mean, it's uh, or if you want to look for the one that's from Vitamin and Berg Film, uh, that's okay. that's also the same one. So friend okay. request, we start in in Academia Res. Okay. As oh. a college class gets told by their teacher that a, a student, a, a classmate of theirs, and, Marina. And the thing for me is I'm like, is this guy a student or a teacher? Because he's fucking cool with his leather jacket, right? <laughs> uh, I mean, but he's clearly in his 50s or 60s. <laughs> so unless this is a back to schools type scenario or. I don't uh, or know. Like, he didn't. I couldn't take my eyes off that jacket, guys. <laughs> okay. Well, a teach a cool psychology teacher in a leather jacket and an accent, which I'm guessing is German, tells a bunch of students that their their classmate Marina committed suicide and uploaded a video of it via webcam to mm-hmm. the school's servers. Uh-huh. And that anyone caught sharing that video will be suspended. And we zoom in tight on the face of one student in particular, Laura Woodson, who is shocked by the news. Flashback to two weeks earlier, as the titles tell us, where we're introduced to Laura. She is your average brunette college student. She leads a very active social media life. She I thought you were going to say service. she leads a very brunette life. <laughs> she, I mean, she does lead a very brunette life in that she does in, – in movies like this, brunettes are the ones who do community service yeah. and, you know, have – and uh, have – she goes, I don't know. She boyfriends goes jogging, and jogging and, and stuff. She, she loves jogging. Her main character point that we know is that she loves jogging. It's mm-hmm. she posts. It means that she she's posts, she's like running to something. She's got a goal in sight, and she's trying to or get or running there. or running from something. Wow, that's the duality of jogging, Elliot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, perhaps the uh, she is uh, she's running. She posts at one point that her dad would be you know such and such years age if he was alive today. Mm-hmm. So just like in. Uh, 
Truth or Dare, a movie that this yeah. is nothing like. The, there's a brunette and a blonde, and one of the two women has a dead dad. But that's Blum- not really a plot point. It never comes up again. It's almost like they just put it in to be like Blumhouse's Truth or Dare. It is kind of important, though, for the listeners at home that have that spreadsheet that they're filling out that is similarities <laughs> yeah. with Blumhouse's Truth and Dare or... Uh, or not. The yeah. Venn diagram, yeah. yeah. For anyone playing Shocktober 2018 bingo at home, that's mm. when you want to put a piece on. Yeah. Uh, and she's very popular. She has 840 Facebook friends, more than that. It's crazy. So that's a lot. Man, did you uh, did you you got your uh, your your friend told on Facebook so you can make Laura look stupid? Uh, I don't have it ready right now, Stu. Okay, why why don't you cook that up? I'll cook it up while you guys (laughs) are. And you got your classic friend group. There's brunette girl, blonde girl, and other girl, Uh and each of them has a boyfriend. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's and uh, but one day. In class, and they live in they live in like a nice what on campus housing type situation. I can't tell if it's a dorm. I think they're in an apartment that's slightly (laughs) off campus. That's my guess because when we see when we see campus housing later, there's there's a single which is very hard to get at least at the school I went to NYU. Singles were highly coveted, Uh Uh, and they share it's three of them, and I think they might mention rent at one place. I'm I'm not sure. Maybe there's maybe it's just a really nice dorm. Apparently, we shot at the University of South Africa, which looks really nicely appointed. Uh, okay, but there's this new there's this new classmate. Her I mean, outside of the inevitable deaths, it seems like a great school to go to. <laughs> oh, and there are like weirdly harsh social media rules. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, they they are trying to protect people from posting videos of suicides, so I understand why they don't want students doing that. But they are supernatural suicides, right? We'll yeah. get to that. We'll get to that. Natural suicide. <laughs> oh, this suicide was supernatural. It was all biodegradable. Yeah, it was all. No. There were no chemicals involved. Anyway, I mean, we shouldn't be. Should we upfront talk about this movie? Deals with suicide fairly flippantly, and we're going to make jokes. Um, but we, I don't know. We don't think it's a silly subject at all. Like, yeah, I mean, well, let, let's. Let, I mean, like they're not real suicides because they're being. Forced on them by yeah. a demonic, demonic force, and one one of them is part of a magical ritual. So we can say that uh, the the uh, we would say that this is not really a movie about suicide, as we'll find out. Yeah, but we also I think Stuart, that's a good point to make that we don't want to make light of that. That's a terrible thing, and I think we are on the record uh, previously as uh, expressing our own sensitivity about it. So let's uh, we won't get into that too much. So let me explain. And we're now uh, I've been trying to get into I think minute seven of the movie. <laughs> and I'll, and I'll try. I'd like to plow forward and introduce the villain of the piece, uh, Marina, or as she puts it on her Facebook page, Ma Space Rena, which uh-huh. makes no sense. <laughs> she's uh, she's a Star Wars character, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. And she's one of these like you know dark brooding girls, which you know because she wears a hoodie. Uh-huh. Because in this movie, hoodie becomes the supernatural language for like possessed by a demon or evil, just like in Blumhouse's Truth or Dare. Where mm-hmm. someone who is playing truth or dare and a demon possessed them is also wearing a hoodie when mm-hmm. they weren't wearing a hoodie before. So mark that on the bingo board. Uh-huh. Anyway, she sends a friend request to Laura, and she's a Laura investigates her Facebook page. She's a very talented animator and artist, but her work has a certain Tim Burtony sensibility. Let's just say. <laughs> well, it's more of like yeah, the uh, the, the ring sensibility. Yeah, like, I guess that's it's yeah, it's it's like a whole Facebook full of the rings, or like maybe she's just really big on the on uh, the Quay Brothers animation. Yeah. What I, like, and I love is it like that's a pretty well curated Facebook page. Like, oh there, yeah, there is literally nothing on there that doesn't fit that theme. She's very on message, and maybe that's why she has zero friends on her Facebook page. <laughs> yeah, Aww. 
putting all this work into putting these elaborate. Like, uh, I feel black like she would have to actively like weed out bots and shit if she wanted to stay at zero friends. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, every day she checks for bots trying to sell sunglasses to her or sway her vote, and then she, <laughs> and she has to remove them. Uh, so uh, her friend Laura's friends think Marina's weird. And Marina has put up a cartoon specifically of a dream she had about a spooky woods where there's a mirror attached to a tree. Ooh, and Laura's intrigued. And she talks to Marina, and they become friends. You know what? She accepts that friend request. Seems like a nice thing to do, but as we learned from No Good Deed, no good deed goes unpunished. <laughs> even though in that's, that movie that's what actually— I, Yeah, that's what I walked away with. <laughs> except even though in that movie it was actually not a good deed that went punished, but in fact a, a plan ahead of time to hurt a specific person. Which okay. one was Which one was no good deed? With uh, Idris Elba, where the where uh, the woman lets Idris Elba into her home to use her phone, and he was that just takes was that, kidnaps her. Was that obsession? No, obsession was the one where at, where Idris Elba is married to Beyonce, and is it Ali Larder is trying to steal him <laughs> oh, from Beyonce? Yeah, yeah and which our, our arms ver- grow super long. <laughs> Even at the time, it seemed it seemed weird, but now the very idea of a movie where someone's married from Beyonce and another woman is like, yeah, I think I can pull him away. <laughs> from yeah, yeah. The, the level from, of hubris is astounding. <laughs> That's li- like, that is a real, your arms are too short to box with God scenario. <laughs> I mean, which I guess is, I mean, Jay-Z is not, from what I remember from the Gossip Trades, is not particularly faithful, so maybe I'm overestimating. <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, so, and I, if I'm wrong, <laughs> I don't, don't sue trades. me for defamation. It's, I'm just, I got that yeah. from a blind item. It said, it said, what one-letter last-named rapper was <laughs> was seen uh, not with his queen of a wife? Yeah, and I was yeah. like, I don't know who this could be. Uh, so anyway. Caught canoodling. Uh, <laughs> uh, no one is ever canoodling and not caught. So I guess if you don't want to get caught, don't canoodle, you yeah. know? Yeah, it's the alliter- uh, so, the alliteration is just too tempting for gossip <laughs> yeah. writers. And uh, but she she befriends Marina, but Marina keeps bugging Laura. Pun very much intended, because later Marina <laughs> is surrounded by clouds of wasps all the time. Okay, Marina just keeps bothering her. She comments on every one of Laura's posts. She's photoshopping herself into pictures of Laura, which is weird. And they look at Marina's older posts again. Like we said, there's all these. These ringu type videos everywhere. You got your satanic scarred pregnant bellies. You got corpses. You got feet stepping on dolls' heads. The whole <laughs> kit and caboodle canoodle. Yeah, right and there. there's later on we realize she has pictures of like swollen wasp stung child corpses that were like kids she magically killed. <laughs> yes, like that's wild, dude. And she threw it through like a black and white filter. Look, yeah. One, yeah, the filter worked. But two, let's just say, we all know that Facebook has not been keeping up to its terms of service and the rules on what is allowed and what's not allowed on. It's like, they're like, uh, well, we want to kick off Marina's video of kids, mutilated kids that she killed, but we also want to be a platform for free speech. Mm-hmm. And who are we to judge what's acceptable speech or not? Yeah, That's so, Facebook. Yep, they're like, something happened. <laughs> Your feed got <laughs> filled with all these creepy pics. <laughs> Would it be amazing if Facebook's algorithm was just like, yeah, sure, why not? Let's just throw it out there. And suddenly everyone's mom was getting was getting these videos in their feeds. Mm-hmm. That are, as we mentioned, very well animated. Oh, yeah. She, I mean, she has real talent. That's the thing. She's at the wrong school. She should be at, like, CalArts. Mm-hmm. She should be at, like, RISD, maybe Savannah. Like, the, she would be very well accepted there. I don't know why she's at, the, like, the school for kids who like to party and jog. It doesn't make sense because she's not going to get invited to those parties such as 
Laura's birthday party. Her friends tell her, why'd you invite Marina to your birthday party? You should disinvite her. And Laura's like, uh, I'm not actually going to have a party. But Marina knows that's a lie because someone posts about it on Facebook. Well, well, well. <laughs> it seems your best friend Facebook has become your greatest betrayer, Laura. Hoist <laughs> on your own face tarred. Uh, and... Marina uh, somehow fi- I, do, I do like the party. It's the like classic teens having the like, we're going to live forever party. And you're like, <laughs> yeah. oh, you guys aren't going to live forever. There's the guy, who, there's the classic, his name is Gustavo. He's the chubby jokey friend. Uh-huh. And he's like, you know what? To us and to our great futures and to our wonderful careers and to Laura, you're the best. And we're going to be friends for, yeah, it literally is that. They're all, and uh, Laura's mom is there and she's acting like she loves being around Laura's friends. And I just have to imagine she's like, ugh, these kids, they're so irritating. Yeah, I do like that the mom is introduced with very little fanfare. Like all of a sudden <laughs> yeah. you're like, the mom's there? <laughs> I, I thought it was, there was a lot, someone just says, I've been trying to get your mom drunk before you got here and I was like wait what Uh, and then a couple shots later you see a woman who looks slightly older than them and it's like oh that's her mom yeah that was weird like I I had Uh no idea what was going on guys Uh, guys I think I could be a Gustavo yeah oh yo I think so give us your best I I I think I'm settling into the more the Gustavo than the Ron Ron member of this group I certainly hope so (laughs) I don't know I always thought of you as a Ron Ron do you think Ron Rons as they age naturally become Gustavos (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I guess that's probably the natural lifespan of of like a uh, party dude side character. <laughs> uh, now, so, and I will leave unsaid the similarities between Ron Ron and Gustavo, because as we've mentioned, Truth or Dare and Friend Request, very different movies that are not at all similar. Uh, so, <laughs> Ron Ron is a character for the ages, my friend. <laughs> Gustavo <laughs> did not even. Dan's furrowed did so not deeply. Even. <laughs> I think I, I saw into his brain. <laughs> There was no I, – I did not even register Gustavo. <laughs> I mean also the fact that Gustavo, I didn't realize his name until much later when after he dies and someone calls him Gustavo. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, OK. But Ron Ron, I knew who he was right off the bat. Yeah. It was like, how do you not know Ron Ron? <laughs> what, a, what a character. Uh, uh-huh. So everyone gives a dumb speech, but Marina is watching sadly from outside. Uh-huh. Uh, she's is she mad. covered. She, in, is she covered in wasps at this point? <laughs> no, she's still just covered in a hoodie. Okay, and and the darkness of her loneliness. Yep. So she accosts Laura in what the dining hall, uh-huh. and they get into an argument, and Laura shoves her, which jostles uh, Marina's hood, revealing what that she's missing hair. Now yeah. this like, is something I couldn't. I, I didn't track. Did she push her so hard all her hair fell out? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, that's not what happened. I happens. don't think that's what the movie was trying to get I think, across. I think the movie was implying that either she tears her own hair out out of anxiety or has some kind of hair loss thing because later her victims start to tear their hair out. But I, it's this is something that like I didn't quite notice when I first watched it and I had to figure it out later. Like, oh, that's what happened there. Uh, and Marina, Laura feels bad, but her friends are like, just – don't talk to her anymore. And Marina starts sending Laura tons of creepy apologetic messages like, please, I'm sorry. Ah, come on. Be friends. I, lo- I love you. We're best friends forever. And I, I mean, as somebody who- she, yeah. she's exhibiting behavior. Somebody that has, I don't know, that could you need some help? Yeah, I would as someone I but I could sympathize with Laura a little bit here as someone who often has trouble uh, not responding to people who either want to be friendly or communicate and then later find myself being like. Oh, I don't really have a lot in common with this person. Like, yeah. this per- like this is not someone who's really a friend of mine, but I feel anxious when I don't get back in touch with them relatively quickly. And like, but it's just adding stress to my life. Like, so I'm just going to say, Laura, you're not a good person as re- seen by what happens in the movie. But mm-hmm. I, sim- I sympathize with the, uh, with the hard situation you got put in. Marina's 
sending Laura all these apologetic messages. Yep. It's it's really harsh. And Laura starts hallucinating the things from Marina's cartoons. And then we're back to the first scene and we get the news that Marina has taken her own life. Terrible. Mm-hmm. And that everybody – but we also learn that she somehow all of her personal information has been deleted from the school's database. And, and nobody found her body. So, yeah, they just saw the video. And I feel like we end up seeing that video later and it – you know, it looks like a homemade uh, video. <laughs> and based on her quality of work up to this point, I would like, I would assume that this was not a, like, that this was just a video. Like, it doesn't actually, I don't know, it doesn't actually look like a filmed suicide. <laughs> no, it looks like a, uh, it looks like a produced kind of amateur horror movie video. And you're it's, right. it just seems She's- weird that with no body. Or, and that's the only evidence. It seems weird that the police immediately are, I, I don't know. Well, as shown by the level of quality of the police in this film, I believe it. Because the police are terrible in this movie. And they basically just keep going up to the ki- the, t- the college students and being like, hey, so you're going to tell us what's going on now? Because uh, I do like I, I do like the second detective who is like the sassiest guy who it feels <laughs> like right before the movie he watched uh, – Street Fire, The Legend of Chun-Li, and he's like, I'm going to be the next Chris Klein. <laughs> I guess so. There's a great moment later on, I'll just skip ahead to, where he is making it very clear on the phone that he does not want Chinese food for dinner when he should be watching <laughs> the person who's in danger of being attacked by a demon. And he's just he's just saying, no, not Chinese. Not, not Chinese. No, not Chinese. Not Chinese. Okay, we could have Chinese. And it's like, you know he walked in and realized, like, guys, I know what I'm going to say on the phone during this scene. Like, it, it feels like an actor workshopped moment. But I just love, he's literally just saying it to the phone, no, not Chinese. Now, no, not, no, not Chinese. I don't want Chinese. Now, now you had mentioned that uh, Laura had been hallucinating some images, like some images from the videos that Marina had made. Yes. And all of these hallucinations and dreams she have follow the same pattern that is kind of set up by an earlier moment in the movie where she is given a video of a cute kitten by her friend, and then the cute kitten immediately turns into a monster thing. And that's basically the template for this whole movie. Like, every single scare is normal, normal, normal. Oh, gross thing. Yeah, It's tons of jump scares where it's like, yeah, walking around, walking around, looking at a wall. Mutilated face! So yeah, if walking around, walking around. So I appreciate the movie around. has Something that, jumps out at you. I appreciate that the movie has that like statement of purpose right up front. And then like <laughs> you're like basically that's like a if you're you have to be this tall to ride this ride type thing. Like if you can handle this scare, so you, you th- can handle the rest of this. You flick. think it was a, a subtle commentary. You think that they're like, we're gonna put in a literal cat scare at the beginning to signal to the audience what they're in for. Uh, cat scare. I've never heard of that, Dan. What's that? <laughs> well, that's that's when you have you need the doctor sends you in for further scare tests, and oh. you, they send you to get a cat scare. Okay. <laughs> I thought you. I thought it was when you were, thought that maybe you're pregnant with a cat. Briefly. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, we've all been there. But luckily, yep. That's a scene from uh, deleted scene from Sleepwalkers. I yeah, think <laughs> that's right. <laughs> or cat people. <laughs> Okay, so sorry for the digression. Or uh, Oliver and Company. Uh, so anyway. <laughs> so, uh, no, but Stuart, I'm glad you mentioned that because I actually did, I forgot about that scene and did not make that connection that they're literally, that the movie is literally like, hey, 
we're going to do this. We don't have any other ideas. <laughs> uh, so Marina somehow sends Laura another message. But as we all know, she's dead, even though they didn't find her body. Uh, and it's a burning picture of Laura. It's th- this, is, this is the video. She burns a picture of Laura, then hangs herself over the fire, and I guess catches on fire. And they try to delete the video, but an unknown error occurs. They can't do it. And then the Facebook page starts posting it to Laura's page and tagging all of her friends. Ah! And they're all commenting like, why would you do this? That's sick. Stop this. Don't do this. Everyone's really taking the time to write comments. Uh And I think that's part of the social age Mm -hmm. is that people finally have the time to make comments on videos that they don't like rather than just turning them off. They can write, hey, gross, don't do that. Unfriend uh-huh. me. I don't like this. Yeah. They they take a break from commenting positive things over at the Garfield fan page, where <laughs> the official Garfield Facebook page that posts a picture of Garfield every day, and like <laughs> thousands of people make comments that are like, I love Garfield, or that's too much lasagna. <laughs> so they'll take a break from doing that to go comment on <laughs> this horrible video. Stuart, I think you you say that as if you're not part of that mob. I have to believe you are. <laughs> it's it's probably my favorite corner of the internet, to be honest. Yeah. With now, you. what are you, what what are your feelings on Garfield's feelings about spiders? Uh, <laughs> wait, what? I don't know anything about this. Oh, it's one of his uh, lesser known traits. Is Garfield? Oh, he hates spiders. He's always smashing them. Spiders. That's yeah. on the backside of his resume. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And so everyone knows front hates Mondays, loves lasagna questionably overweight since he's gotten <laughs> slimmer as the years have gone on uh-huh. really which is really if anything it's a positive example to all of us that we're not stuck in the body we're in we can be proud of the body we're in but if we want to change it for some reason we can change it just look at garfield he's a cat i don't know somehow I... somehow he's gone from overweight to just slightly pleasingly plump <laughs> you know society not, might not like my nice thick garfield <laughs> <laughs> but I love him. I yeah, think I that's the ideal a, body teen, of a cat. I remember as a teen always being made fun of by my friends because I liked thicker Garfields. <laughs> what a dumb thing that was. <laughs> but now I want to go on that Garfield page and do that every day and just be like, watch out, Nermal. He looks like he's got mischief on his mind. <laughs> okay. But she's losing but she's losing friends. Are you gonna rapidly. fucking tag Nermal in that comment? <laughs> yeah. Because if not, you're like, come on, dude, you got to let them know. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, Laura's friend count starts dropping, and it leads to the best line in the movie, I think, or one of the two best lines. This is from her blonde friend who says, unfriend that dead bitch. <laughs> <laughs> but she can't do it. Also, Facebook won't let her unfriend Also it. should have been the title of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't mention that this movie was, uh, in other countries, it was, t- it was titled Unfriended, uh-huh. like the movie that we watched, I think, last year. Uh, yeah. Uh, the one that arguably, all takes place arguably on a, a better movie, computer desktop. Oh, definitely. A better I would movie. say that was a. I didn't love that movie, but still a much better movie than this. Yes. but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's very. It was called Unfriended in other countries, which is a lateral move from friend request. I have to say. I mean, you know? this a hundred percent should have been called Delete Your Account, right? Yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> it seems so. to be the overwhelming chant over the the like the middle third of the movie. But she can't delete her account. She even calls tech support, although the guy on the phone says to her, this is not the call center. So I don't know who she's calling, Mark Zuckerberg? Like, I <laughs> Ma'am, this is she's Kinko's. Like, I can't help you at all. <laughs> she's like, Zucks, I'm having trouble with your Facebook page. Can you, uh, can you undo it? And he's like, do you mean to call Zuckus, the Star Wars bounty hunter? And she's like, no, you, Mark Zuckerberg. Oh, people call me Marky Berg. I'm sorry, no one calls me Zucks. Yes, uh, what's the problem? <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Zuckerberg's, uh, I think we can all agree that Zuckerberg's more of a forlom than a Zuckus, right, guys? <laughs> oh, oh, boy, is he ever. <laughs> oh, spit But meanwhile, e- Elon Musk, more of a Dengar. Uh, I guess, actually, of all those guys, Steve Bannon would be the Dengar. He's, he's the guy who could mostly just wearing soiled, like, scarves <laughs> wound around his head. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyway, uh, Laura goes for help to this guy, Kobe, who... I couldn't tell if he was like her ex-boyfriend or just a guy who had a crush on her. He doesn't see. Or he just some like really her, good beef. Or just, yeah, the best beef you can get. Yeah. <laughs> could be. Uh, and he, but he's a computer hacker, of course. You can tell because he's got hand tattoos. <laughs> and he ha- he doesn't, and he has a neck tattoo too, right? Which means maybe he's a chef. Uh, he probably is. And he, uh, he is still holding a torch for Laura, right? Yes, yeah, he still has a thing for Laura. So going to him, you know, that's the last thing she wants to do. But she needs his help, so he has. I don't know. I think maybe that maybe she, you know, she likes being around him. I mean, every everything about her voice, uh, physical appearance when Mm -hmm. she's near him, the way she, her body language, her attitude says the opposite that she does not like to be around him. Okay, maybe I was paying too close attention to the. Uh, closed captions rather than the images on the screen. <laughs> well, I think you just saw this guy with tattoos and you're like, this guy looks cool. I'm, okay, maybe he's the Ron Ron of the movie. Although, to be honest, uh, I recognize that actor because he played uh, like a a petulant young man on the television show Revenge, where he spent most of the, mo- uh, most of the show like complaining that nobody wants him to date this much richer, uh, younger woman. Uh, and so, I, I don't know, I kind of carried that that negative feeling into this movie. I don't know if that's right. Maybe, maybe I, maybe I did him wrong. What do you guys think? I mean, I mean, you can't, I mean, it's part of, I guess, classical, uh, Hollywood film theory that when you see an actor in a role, you carry with them, your memories of all their previous roles. Mm-hmm. It's the things that would allow someone like Cary Grant or Humphrey Bogart or James Cagney or Catherine Hepburn or Barbara Stanwyck to build mm-hmm. a persona larger than what she's given or he or she has given. Ernest from the, the Ernest film. movies. Ernest from the Ernest I mean, movies. Exactly. That's the same character. That's literally the same character. So it's not the same thing at all. I mean, it's literally. Well, Ernest. well, well, Elliot, it's kind of the ultimate in that example. I think, uh, not at all. It's the, they literally follow from one movie to the next. That's why every Ernest movie there's a cre- there's a mid credit sequence where Samuel L. Jackson tells him where he needs to go next. <laughs> Guess what? Guess what? You're gonna be scared, stupid motherfucker. And then he looks at the camera and goes, "What?" And then it says to be continued. You know. And then and then all the guys in the theater explain to their dates what just happened. <laughs> or some of the girls explain to their no, dates. No, I know. Uh, or. The uh, <laughs> girls can be nerds too, Stuart. Team comics. Uh, on, I mean, I, I think I was mainly making a mansplaining joke uh, uh, to mansplain okay. my joke you. to you. Uh, but <laughs> I didn't get it. So what you're describing, Elliot, is probably the reason every time I see an ad for This Is Us pop up on my television, it brings me back to watching Gilmore Girls and seeing Milo Ventimiglia playing Jess, the worst character in the history of television. And then I, <laughs> and then I throw an old boot through the TV screen and I have to go buy a new yep. fucking TV. And, yeah, and then you, you look at the camera and you somebody old boots around. <laughs> yeah. Well, he, then, then Stuart looks at the camera and says, I lose more TVs that way. <laughs> yep. Somebody should keep those boots out of arm's reach for me. That reminds me of when I was a little kid and my, <laughs> and I got like really. I think we're just in a Stuart one man show now, I think, which I love. It's just one memory daisy chaining to the next. Stuart, what's this I got, next one? When I, was, uh, when I was a kid, I like threw a tantrum and broke something. <laughs> and my parents were like, uh, so next time, how can we keep this from happening? And I was like, well, maybe 
keep stuff out of my reach when I'm mad. Oh. <laughs> what an asshole. <laughs> what an idiot. <laughs> Not the answer they were looking for. Uh, so Kobe hacks into Marina's account, which is still active, and he sees all this morphing occult symbols, and he goes, this isn't even code. I don't know what this is. It looks like Matrix code, but it's all like Satan letters. It looked like you know, the screensaver that. that my buddy Porter used to have running on the screen while he was downloading trance uh, I- albums and uh, <laughs> and like bootleg anime. I just love that when like we've got witchcraft going on here. But for some reason, witchcraft still needs to use some kind of code. Like, it's crazy I mean, witch code, but it's, <laughs> it still exists. There's still a source still, code. Well, as Warren Ellis might say, magic is just the cheat code for reality. Oh. So it's even... So <laughs> sounds, even like so real a- magic- sounds like a real asshole to me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, Warren Ellis, he, I mean, as, as long as you say that him, at, like, a bar? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he, he typed it at a bar onto his mobile device, which he needed to tell everybody about how amazing it was. <laughs> now, that's a specific reference to Warren Ellis's old mailing list, where he would talk at, at incredible lengths about how amazing his mobile devices were, back <laughs> when people didn't all have cell phones that had data plans. Anyway, uh... I guess magic is also just a programming language and a software code. But uh-huh. you make a good point, Dan. It's stupid. So, but then one of Laura's friends, the aforementioned Gustavo, he's the next victim. He finds a room, or the first victim. He finds a room full of weird baby <laughs> and dolls and flies and, and melty faced kids. And why do you think Gustavo is targeted to be the first victim? Do you think he was uh, the best of them all? <laughs> it's one of those things where in a in real life, you think Marina would strike at the person who would most affect Laura, because mm-hmm. what she wants is for Laura to feel alone. So you'd think that she would first attack the person that would have the most impact on Laura, or maybe she would start small and get bigger, but that seems unlikely. But I think because in the movie, you kill off the least important character and also the one who has like uh, any sort of personality, mm-hmm. you know, you kill off the jokey one first because they're the least important to the rest of the movie, usually. Uh-huh. But much the same way that in Avengers Infinity War, I had a real issue with Thanos' battle plan because it opened by sending hordes and hordes of foot soldiers out, and then they followed it up with these enormous war machines that could just roll over opposing armies. Uh-huh. Go on. Dude, that's not what you do. You send out your big your big metal first to really kill as many as you can, then you send out the foot soldiers Now, once they've been softened up. But in a movie, Maybe. you have to heighten. So you can't do it that way. You have to heighten the threats. Do you think maybe it was also Thanos was just trying to show off how little regard he holds his foot soldiers in, and he's just like, I got zillions of these turds. You can kill as many as you want. Maybe. It's like uh, that moment in Braveheart where they go, should we we shoot more arrows? Arrows cost money. Send in the soldiers. (laughs) Now that's a a real Thanos, (laughs) the king of England. (laughs) He was the original Thanos. That's a real Uh, Thanos. Stuart Wellington. All you need to know is that Gustavo goes into an elevator, the power goes out, and then Laura's friend Isabel, this is the non-Laura or blonde friend friend, this is just the other friend. This is Gustavo's girlfriend, right? And Gustavo's girlfriend uh, opens the elevator door and sees Gustavo slamming his head against the walls until his head is just a bloody pulp. Uh Isabel is sent to the hospital with, I guess, a case of being very afraid. It's never quite clear why she's in the hospital, but uh, they, she's like, Laura, you know who killed him. And guess what? Some prankster posts the video of Gustavo's death onto Laura's Facebook page. And mm-hmm. everyone's like, Laura, why do you keep doing this? <laughs> <laughs> and they also they also realize that Marina, who uh, is still operating on Facebook, uh, friended Gustavo right before he died. 
That's right. Yeah. And Which Gustavo, I would think at this point would lend more credence to the idea that she hadn't committed suicide yet. Yes. But they immediately jumped to the idea of her being kind of a ghost or a witch. Uh-huh. Uh, now, I mean, she does have that crazy magic code so that, that backs up that idea. I assume that Gustavo accepted the friend request because he saw it said Marina and he was like, I love the water. Uh-huh. I love to be at the shore. I love boats. Yes, I would love to friend request the marina. Uh, he, that sounds he great. Remembers what kind of deals his, on- uh, he remembers back to his spring break on Crete and the, yeah. the Mediterranean waves in his face. He's like, I, I bet I get 10% off of catamaran rentals if I'm a friend of the marina on Facebook. So yes, a thousand times yes, I will accept. Yes, yes, I accept your friend request. A thousand times yes, make me the happiest friend in the world. <laughs> and then they have a Facebook marriage, and it's beautiful. Uh, Laura gets suspended from school because everyone's like, Laura, stop posting these videos to your page. And she's like, I didn't do it. I don't know. Yep, yep. Our, and then and- secretly they're assuming that she turns around and looks at the camera and says, ain't I a stinker? <laughs> but da 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 so, uh, the Kobe tells Marina, oh, it tells Laura, oh, Marina has pictures of wasps everywhere. And legend says that wasps follow witches around. <laughs> now, guys, I'm not a witchologist. Is this true? Dan, you're a, you're a student of the mystic arts. Do wi- wasps follow witches around? Because I know they have familiars, like uh, cats often follow witches around. Uh-huh. Wasps? Yeah, I don't, I've never heard this one. I mean, like, you know, you, you often hear of like, Demons having flies buzzing around them, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, yeah. To indicate rot, but I, I don't think that wasps are, are a thing. I mean, they're I a mean, thing in the world. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you have to deal with <laughs> Thank them. You. Okay, Thank you, you for clarifying. You, don't, don't. Were, I mean, if you've got a wasp nest in your home, like, don't take my advice and think like, oh, they're not a thing, and just like allow them to sing you. Like, you gotta get that thing out of there. Now I imagine, Dan, you watching the movie and you see a wasp and you're like, what is this bizarre Dr. Seussical creature? <laughs> its oh, bottom is much larger than its top. <laughs> now here's an imaginary beast and where to find it. Uh, now, uh, does this explain why, if, if they're always following around by wasps, does this explain why those witches are always at Martha's Vineyard? I don't Okay, I get what you're saying. Whoa. Wow. Get it? Get it? It's a different kind of wasp. It's okay. I can make that joke. I'm Jewish. So anyway, uh, they investigate. They investigate Marina's dorm room and all this stuff, and they find out that she was a ward of the state who was sent to some kind of boarding school where she was a loner who would often just spend time exploring the dark web and staring at her own <laughs> reflection in the computer screen. Uh-huh. And these other kids, they, she, the other kids, she said, they said, hey, she's giving us nightmares, and they beat two boys beat her up, and they were found later dead with faces mutilated by wasp stings. And guys, did it make you feel as old as it made me feel that – they can say, oh, yeah, when she was a little girl, she was investigating the dark corners of the Internet. Because when I was a little boy, we did not have that. And it made yeah. me feel very old that she had it when she was a girl. I didn't I did not think about it, but that does make me feel old. Well, now. guys, it's easy to uh, it's easy to forget, you know, that when you're younger, that uh, even though like we might look back on that time as like an idyllic paradise, it actually had some dark corners, you know. And it's good things that it's a good thing that friend request kicks over those rocks. And we realized that, you know, back in the day, there was a dark web. Yeah, true. But it was all GeoCities and Angel Fire sites. Took them very long to load. <laughs> uh huh. But when you, when it loaded, oh boy, gross. Oh, watch out. She was always on the, uh, yeah, on the, on the witchcraft, uh, news groups. Mm hmm. Mm <laughs> hmm. Uh, so. 
the computer hacker, he does some more research about dark mirror cults. Turns out there's a ritual where I do like that when he's I do like that when he's Googling Black Mirror, it does one of the autofill options is like Black Mirror season three. (laughs) Oh yeah, that's pretty cool. That's a little bit of realism. Yeah. Uh, I think one of the pictures that he finds in the uh in his research that's supposed to be a seance, I think it's from one of Fritz Lang's Dr. Mabuzo movies. Mm -hmm. So Somebody, I guess, was having a little bit of fun there with German filmmaking. Uh, I assume that was director Verhoeven being like, hey, he's a little Easter egg for the real German cineasts, for the fans of Deutsche film. Uh, so, Deutsche Kino. But uh, the uh, finds that there was a ritual where you got revenge on people by killing yourself, hanging yourself in front of a mirror over a fire, and you turn into a demon. And as soon as he learns this... All the screens in the computer lab go nuts, and the lights go out, and he's like, ah, 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 and the scene ends when a friendly, silent janitor who does not understand what this crazy kid is up to walks in. This janitor, favorite character in the movie. Just going to tell you guys this. (laughs) He appears in just this one scene, and he says more with his, like, come on, what's this What's this nonsense? Look at the kid than anyone else does. It's more acting in that one moment than anyone else has in the whole movie. Yeah. And I just love that character. Yeah, it's the it's it's that kind of like side character who gets almost no lines big laugh like uh, uh like the 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 hotel maid in Ghostbusters. It's yeah. the same kind kind of performance. Or the scene in It's a Mad 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 World where the the plane is flying around and they go they go, it might crash. Get the fire department, and or some, or like, oh, the firemen are here. And you pan over, and you just see that the firemen are the three stooges, and they don't say anything, and they do not appear again in the movie. And every time I've seen that, that's the biggest laugh in the entire film. Is just like, because you know who the three stooges are. Uh oh, this is going to be trouble. They're not going to be good firemen. Thousands will be killed probably from it's, their antics. It's like that thing you're talking about. How once you see Ernest in one movie, every time you see Ernest <laughs> in another movie, uh-huh. it just builds on the the like the soupy flavor of a delicious I mean, Ernest performance. It's similar because the three stooges do play basically the same characters but it's not exactly the same as what i was saying earlier where i was talking about an actor carrying a persona from one role to the next Mm -hmm. so that when you watch a movie with humphrey bogart even if the movie doesn't do a great job of building his personality you already know it from his previous roles and it imbues it with a greater strength almost like a bouillabaisse or Mm -hmm. a sauce that's been reduced for many many years you Mm -hmm. know but yeah no yeah Ernest uh and the three stooges actually this janitor is kind of like if Ernest people was a real person like that's uh-huh. kind of the look i get from it and i know <laughs> yeah, unlike, Jim, Jim uh, unlike was a, a real cartoon person. character yeah <laughs> i know jim varney was a real person but like he was playing it as a crazy character he wasn't uh, uh he, i thought he was animated <laughs> i mean yeah it was he was all, it was all mocap yeah yeah I didn't dan what were you gonna say no i was trying to work in some joke about the importance of being earnest in here but i don't think it uh i don't think it worked uh, Viva Variety beat you to that by almost 20 years, Dan. <laughs> well, they beat me to a lot of things, Elliot. Do you remember they did that bit where they had Jim Varney and it was the importance of being earnest with Jim Varney and, it talk- no. and they're all talking about this rascal Ernest? <laughs> but they're all talking about it as if it's a, uh, yeah, and he's uh, he's teaching someone how to say, know what I mean, Vern, I think. Okay, uh, <laughs> so then Marina goes after Isabel in the hospital, sends all her regular goons, the pregnant corpse, kids with no faces. Yep. Isabel kills herself. <clears throat> Does that video get posted on Laura's Facebook feed? You know it, but she's already been suspended from school. Now so at this point, law, and at this point, the while now. she's in the hospital, Isabel is running around, obviously scared, and her face is constantly mascara streaked. And I feel like it's taken place over a couple. This is taking place over a day or so. Like, why does she keep putting mascara on? Uh, because Stuart. Unfortunately, our society judges women even yeah, when they're in the hospital. Yeah, you're right. 
on keeping up their appearance that way. It's unfair, but friend request is all about turning a mirror on the unfair things in life, a black mirror, if you will. Oh, oh cool. It's like a turned off computer. Um, the <laughs> I, uh, another another great performance that has no dialogue at all is when Isabella's parents finding out that her daughter is dead are walking down the hall and give Laura the bitchiest look, <laughs> <laughs> which she deserves. But I don't know if the parents really know why she deserves it. Uh-huh. Uh, so that Kobe is like, we've got to destroy her black mirror. We need to find her laptop and destroy it. And then the ritual will be over. Uh of course, Marina goes after Laura's blonde friend. First, the worst thing that she does to any of them, she's printing all of these occult symbols on a black background from Laura's friend's printer. And it's like, mm-hmm. you're using up all of her ink. Yep. She's a college student. Yep. She has to print out term papers. She's going to have. She's gonna end up with those pages that are really like all faded mm-hmm. because she doesn't have enough ink yep. for all the letters. She's going to hand that in. Her psych professor, who has already admonished her for using social media in class, is not going to accept it. This is, I mean, that goes beyond the pale, just using up all her ink. Dan, how would you react to that? Uh, poorly? I don't know what you're, I don't know what you're teeing me up for here, Elliot. I'm just saying, you're a writer, you understand how important it is to have ink in your printer. Mm-hmm. Is that a, that sounds like a euphemism for something. <laughs> yeah, speak, speaking of Dan, uh, I have some ground up rhino horn, this will put ink in your printer. <laughs> uh, so anyway, then the CGI wasps attack. Oh no! So they learn more about Marina. She, her mother was in a cult whose house burned down. Mm-hmm. And then they kind of, if I misunderstood, but it kind of made it seem like the mother was killed in the fire, but they kept her on life support until Marina was born, which yep. leads to my other favorite line in the movie. She was alone in the womb for months. Uh-huh. As if that was, that's a sinister thing when, unless you're a twin like me, everyone's alone in the womb <laughs> for nine months. Like yeah. that's how it works. That's how it works, everybody. <laughs> so should yeah. I worry that you two guys are going to attack me because you're so lonely <laughs> from being in the womb by yourself? Like, what is that supposed to mean? <laughs> she should have invited some friends over. Is that why you, you know? mo- yeah. yeah. Is that why you moved away, Elliot? So that we wouldn't attack you with our, <laughs> our lonely womb rage. I was like, where can I go? That has the most twins. So that there aren't people who are just <laughs> going insane from the, from the solitary confinement. That is the womb. Oh no. Mm-hmm. Lonely uh, womb so rage. Of course. <laughs> What? Womb rage? Yeah. I just like uh, loan the phrase that Stuart uttered, lonely womb rage. <laughs> I think that that should get some appreciation. That, that could be a death metal band, right? Yeah. Lonely womb rage? Yeah, yeah, it's a song. Uh, which which reminds me that, uh, have you guys ever seen, uh, there's a there's a softcore movie that's a parody of Tomb Raider that's called Womb Raider. And I think it's very funny because it's like, that's not the thing that people think of as like sexy. Yeah. It's like a womb. That's really weird. <laughs> like most of these titles have like bust in the in the title, which makes more sense right. than womb. Do you think? And it makes it sound like you're like someone stealing a baby from inside a womb. Yeah, like, that's, like, yeah that was that's the original title of uh, what was that? The inside that French of inside. Yeah, yeah it was womb raider. <laughs> it was womb raider. That was the French title, um, and they were like, I don't think this is gonna fly in America. In America. Uh, oh man, so that guys, movie's gross. So. Uh, the blonde friend, oh no, and Laura's friend count has dropped to 24 by this point, which the movie presents as if it's a really bad thing when it's like, well, a bunch of her friends are dead. So that's worse than her Facebook friend count going down. Yeah. Right? yeah. Like at this point, I don't really care if her Facebook friend count has gone down. It's not. That's Marina's <clears throat> goal, but. It'd be one thing if she was maybe like, if her, it at no point, other than the fact that she likes to document stuff on Facebook, it never really showed that like having having a lot of friends on Facebook was that important to her. Like maybe if she was 
like one of her things was applying for a job or something where they're like, oh, you need to have a very active social media presence in order to get this job. But like, mm. it's not, it's not like tied to her goals or anything. Well, right? but they're, I mean, they're trying to like use it. I mean, like they're trying to use it as an indicator of real life friendship, which is why, why I think it would be funny if there was like one friend that she had who didn't use Facebook at all. Uh-huh. And like the movie turned into a comedy of just like her trying to like keep this information away from her friend. <laughs> like, or just Marina keeps trying to get that person on Facebook because she can only yeah, yeah, kill so, people so, who have accepted her friend. Marina yeah. sends her like, like a fucking American online CD. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, the, or it could be funny. There's the, there's the people that Laura like, only like new years ago and doesn't know anymore. And they're like, mm, I guess I'll check out what Laura's up to since high school. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> what is she into? Jeez Louise. Uh, yeah. Lauren. Oh, so then uh, while Lauren Kobe are uh, poking around this burned out cult farm, uh-huh. uh, her blonde friend in the hospital, she gets possessed while the cop, as I mentioned before, is talking on his phone about how he does not want Chinese food for dinner. Mm-hmm. Uh, the blonde manages to wrest the cop's gun away from him and shoot herself. And the cop's partner gives him a look like, come on, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> seriously? It's it's pretty great. I, I kind of love these two cops. At one point, the second detective was like, so uh, where'd she torture herself? <laughs> and you're like, really? You asked that? <laughs> I mean, the it, it made me want to see a movie that's from the point of view of the of the cops who are trying to figure out something that's going on with a bunch of teens in a horror movie, and they're like, "This we are reaching a lot of dead ends, everybody. We just know <laughs> teens are dying, but we cannot figure it out." Oh, somebody tell us something. <laughs> yeah, these these two cops with a clear, rich inner life based around not wanting Chinese food. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway. Uh, they wander around this cult farm. Laura doesn't see anything spooky while Kobe keeps seeing spooky things. I, see, like, I uh, saw something pretty spooky, a really sick tag that said Satan. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you know yeah, it's cool. Because Satan was there when he was a 16-year-old, and he was like, check this out. He's like, check <laughs> this out. I've been up. really working on my bubble letters. <laughs> <laughs> he was going to put in Satan plus Debbie forever, but mm-hmm. he ran out of time. He yeah, had to yeah. go. Uh, but it's like an Abbott and Costello movie almost where she will wander past a hallway and not notice the ghost in it. And then Kobe is like, anyway, Kobe stabs Laura because he says, hey, if you're dead, then she can't care about killing us to make you lonely anymore. Stabs Laura, but not very well because she runs away and it doesn't seem to affect her that much. Yeah. And it is that is 100 percent the one twist in the movie that I kind of liked. The idea that a guy realizes that he is being spooked and that he is the next on the list to die. So he's like, I, despite the fact that I have feelings for this woman, I care mm-hmm. about my life more. So I have to kill her. And I wish that they had like played that up a little bit more. Like they'd played up the tension of this guy's like almost Coen brothers, esque inept murdering of his friend. But <laughs> Yeah, like a no. like a desperation, but I mean, I agree that I there's just I feel like there's a seed of an interesting idea in this movie, in there in the villain, the evil spirit wanting the heroine not dead but lonely. And I think that that's kind of interesting, and if they didn't tie it to Facebook in such a stupid way, it could have been like an intriguing horror premise. And I like yeah, the guy being like, well. Can't make you lonely if you're dead. So, <laughs> yeah, true. I mean, isn't death the ultimate loneliness? 
Uh, sure. Uh, I guess. I don't know. I haven't thought about it, that much. I mean, I, uh, I guess should unless, I? You, unless, you, <laughs> unless you go to heaven. I mean, don't worry about it. Uh, Laura manages to eventually find herself to the abandoned factory where Marion killed herself. Oh, where uh, where Marina killed herself, not Marion. I'm sorry. Where Marina died, uh, she gets a frantic call from her mom, who, as we can see from all sorts of spooky CGI video manipulation effects, is being bedeviled by Marina. I feel. I, I like the idea that the call goes dead. I like the idea that. Only now she's like, oh, right, I have a mom. <laughs> and moms love Facebook. <laughs> they do. She's always saying, to, always commenting on the Garfield posts. Oh, no. Uh, her doctor boyfriend shows up. Kobe stabs him in the neck through the back of the neck, which is pretty impressive. Yeah. And he's about to kill Laura, but CGI wasps swarm around him and kill him. And Laura's mm-hmm. like, what do you want from me? And Marina's ghost as a little girl comes up and says, I want to be best friends forever. And Laura finds Marina's laptop and body, and the laptop is almost beckoning her. And, uh-oh, suddenly she's looking in a mirror in the forest, and a ghost jumps at her. Cut to, she's back at college. Wait, who's that creepy sweat hooded sweatshirt figure sitting off to her side being a creepy weirdo? It's Laura. But now her Facebook page is just La Space Ura, <laughs> like Marina's page. And she's the new... She has been possessed, and she is the new lonely demon. Okay. Has Marina got her revenge, or is it the kind of thing where Marina is now doomed to live inside of Laura's body, and they've got to, like, it's like an all-of-me type situation. Okay, I, uh, so what I can't figure out is, is Marina, in, is she possessing her body, and she is now Marina, just in a different body, or has Laura been turned into a friendless uh, weirdo like marina and like is is the movie saying she is now doomed to have no friends and be into like goth stuff i mean that's the great that's that's the great thing about art is it's really up to you to interpret that oh cool i never thought that uh art you say should i check this out <laughs> yeah yeah just google art uh-huh. and see what comes up uh, you know what google deviant art i think you'll like that stuff that reminds me of the time when uh i was home from college and i had some friends over and my little brother came down and he's like Hey guys, do you like art? And we were like, uh, yeah, I guess. And he pulled out his glass weed pipe and he's like, uh, that's art. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it took me so, like, my brain just couldn't process exactly what was happening. I mean, was he high? Was that what it was? Uh, I mean, probably. Although that's the, uh, he, you should have said, actually, that's an example of craft. <laughs> a very different thing, but related. Thanks, little brother. Anyway, guys, let's get back to what we were doing. Playing Duck Hunt, I assume. <laughs> yep. Uh, why did, why? I thought that, like, destroying the mirror or whatever was going to save Laura. But she didn't destroy the mirror. But, like, why didn't no. she just, why didn't she destroy it, guys? Because like, she was already under the spell of Marina at that right. point. And also, at that point, Laura has no friends on Facebook. Her other friends are dead and her mom. So she might be like, you know what? All cards on the table. Before, I did not need Marina's friendship. I had plenty of friends. I was friend rich. <laughs> mm-hmm. But now at the bottom of the barrel, I can't afford to be so choosy. She's got real leverage over me. So you know what? Yes, Marina, we will be friends. But I'm being honest. It's only because you have cut me off from all other sources of friendship. Mm-hmm. So all cards on the table. Mm-hmm. Do you still want my friendship knowing that I'm only giving it to you out of desperation? And Marina's like, uh, yeah, that was the point, dude. Um, I, I'll take whatever friendship I could get. I don't care. And Laura's like, all right, as long as we're okay with each other and we understand this, we know that our friendship is based on a foundation of 
me being an outcast because of you. And Marina's like, yeah, outcast. Let's do, let's be a rap duo. Mm-hmm. Like this kind yep. of crazy girl and a ghost. Uh-huh. Let's do it. And Laura's like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> but a month later, Laura's like, yeah, let's try it out. Sure. They now, put out their first their first album, You Be a Ghost. And U is, is just the letter U and oh, B is the letter B. Okay. And it's a huge hit. It's a huge hit. Oh, Not yeah, just yeah. because of the novelty of a college age girl and her ghost friend putting out a rap, but because the beats are super tight <laughs> uh-huh, and her yep. language, it just opens up a new world. She's working with rhymes in a way that people just haven't done before. She packs them in so tightly, yeah. but then she'll like extend what she's doing into almost a trance vibe. And so it really makes a mark in the hip hop world. And uh-huh. suddenly Laura and Marina or Lorena as mm-hmm. they yep. perform under, that's their outcast type name. Uh-huh. They, I mean, they have their other personas. Marina is also <laughs> called name. like, is called like ghost 45 and, and, that's and Laura's rap name is like you know is like you know girl gone or something like that, yeah. but girl is spelled G U R L. So they're just blazing mm-hmm. up the charts, sure, and it's like, yep. yeah, we finally found our place, and it's ironic. And mm-hmm. Marina killing all of Laura's friends gives her a ton of street cred, a ton of street cred. She's been there, <laughs> yep. she's lived that life, she's got blood on her hands. So uh-huh. when she raps about killing people, it's for real. Like people uh-huh. know she's walked the walk, she's from that, mm-hmm. and so it really. Put, brings them together in a way they never thought before. Yep. And eventually, you know, they have their arguments. They split up for a little bit and they come back together. They have their solo projects and experimental right, stuff. Uh, Marina gets a little too involved in conservative politics in a way that people has people worried about her sanity for a little bit. Yeah. But then she comes back and they're doing, you know, it's been a while since they performed and they're like, but they're still friends. And they're mm-hmm. like, we haven't toured together in a long time. Let's do it. Are our fans still out there? It's been years. Yeah. There's only one way to give it a shot. And the tour is a huge success, mm-hmm. a huge hit. It's amazing. <laughs> and they're all it's a global tour. They're touring for like two years oh, straight. Wow, yeah. And people are so excited. They're like, we forgot we needed this. We forgot we needed this. And at the end of the final tour, they're on stage. J- just and pl- Laura just turns playing the hits. Just I mean, and the hits and also like sometimes they'll just kind of freestyle oh, and yeah. experiment. And the audience like, loves like that Paul even more. Simon. Yeah, exactly. Because they're like, you guys' skills haven't missed a beat, and you've evolved mm-hmm. with the times. What you're doing now is so different from what you did when you started, but there's still a continuity of style and yeah. voice. Yeah. And at the end of the at the end of the concert, Laura turns to Marina and goes, Marina, we've had our up times, we've had our down times, mm-hmm. but you know what? You are my friend, and you're my best friend. Uh-huh. Thank you. And Marina is so overjoyed that she ascends to heaven in what becomes the most viral video in the history of online videos. Uh, okay. And and that's the end of a beautiful career. So mm-hmm. you're saying that this movie actually had a happy ending. I mean, if you tack on my stuff, then, yeah, then yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Uh, and, Elliot, no, Elliot demonstrated says, his understanding of rap stuff really well. <laughs> <laughs> you know? uh, and also, uh, and uh, Marina says, thank you for accepting my friend request. And Laura's like, I'll always accept your friend requests. Because that's what friends do. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, ascends to heaven. She came down from heaven for that last part, and then she ascends back up I mean, again. That, oh, uh, that, yeah, that, that scene got a little bulky, but uh, <laughs> it's okay. It's good. <laughs> well, I realized after the fact that I should t- try to tie in the title of the movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, guys, uh, is this a good, great movie, an amazing, bad movie, no. or or a, a slinky, slonky oh, movie? Yeah, I think this is slinky, slonky, right? <laughs> Totally scarifying. Uh-huh. Is it totally snorifying? Sure. Or is it frighteningly funny? Okay. Uh, uh, which which one is the closest uh, equivalent to Slinky Slunky? <laughs> I guess snorifying. Probably. Okay. 
I mean, to be fair, Dan, the best way to describe the movie is Slinky Slonky. That's... <laughs> All right. Well, I guess three Slinky Slonkies then. Okay, so guys, if Slinky Slonky is not an option, thanks, Dan. Uh, what do you say? I say Snorifying. Uh, I say this is between Snorifying and Frighteningly Funny for me. Like, I, it's not that great. Um, it does... It, but it doesn't it doesn't drag that much like it goes along pretty fast and i find it hilarious that it's so rooted in facebook a thing that young people as i understand don't actually really use that much anymore and uh, yeah, they're they, all about the instagram now they've really tied this into this like it's it's just a fad horror movie and i find those kind of hilarious whenever yeah. the horror tries to be like just tap into like what's cool and misses it so completely yeah i mean the thing that keeps it from being frighteningly funny for me is the, I don't know why it bugs me, but the idea of the, I know there's like demons and magic and shit involved, but the idea that like the villain in the movie is this poor woman who, <laughs> this poor girl who's been like abused and doesn't have friends. And is this like, I don't know, artistically talented goth character mm. who then kills herself is like, yeah. like fuck that dude. Um, so I'm going to say snorifying. Yeah, it's one of these movies where the heroes give you very little to root for them other than the fact that they are attractive and already happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and the villain is, as you're saying, someone who has really – life has been so unkind to them. Yeah. And, and they, they have so much to give the world in the in the form of their art. Uh-huh. Like she is – if she, it would be another thing if she was really untalented almost or it's yeah. like the character – they're looking at her animations are like, she's terrible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> These are bad. But – uh. It's it's a weird movie for I feel like especially for it reminds me of in Green Lantern where they're like Ryan Reynolds is a totally buff super hot fighter pilot and the bad guy he's going to beat up on is a nerd in a wheelchair <laughs> where it was like hold on a second what it, what is this movie telling me it feels like with this too where it's like the fan the people who are going to watch horror movies are often the people who would sympathize more I'm guessing with Marina than with Laura mm-hmm. but maybe I'm wrong about that yeah. All right, uh, so mixed, let's say. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so Dan's like, yeah, we so can, let's whatever. say frighteningly funny. <laughs> Wait, no, but we didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tommy is about to books. One, two, one, two, three, four. Hi, everybody, my name is Justin McElroy. And I'm Sydney McElroy. And together we're the hosts of Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. What does that mean for you, the podcast consumer? Well, it means that you're going to get a lot of stories about how we used to do weird stuff to people in order to try to fix them. Do you know that we used to think diseases were caused by bad smells? And that we used to eat mummies for medicine? That's super funny. I kind of like Well, thanks, and we hope you'll kind of like our show, Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. It's available every Friday wherever fine podcasts are sold or at its beautiful, picturesque home at MaximumFun.org. All right. The secret is out. I, Open Mike Eagle, officially had a wrestling match. And on the next Tyson Fights, I'm talking all about it. From the rap battles that got it started. Open mic! You ain't ready! Oh, really? You cold like oh, some really? spaghetti! 
and to how I hurt myself in ways I didn't know I could. That day and the day before, I got so many texts from people who really care about me who were like, please don't break your neck. <laughs> the only place you can get the full story is on the newest episode of Tights and Fights. Find it on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get podcasts. Okay, so we've come, uh, we've closed the casket on that one. <laughs> Let's open a new casket for a new thing. Yeah, well, uh, Elliot, you had some promotions you wanted to do. Uh, I just wanted to, yeah. No, go on. Wait, you were, what were you going to say? Were you going to set them up? Yeah, I'm just setting yeah. you up, man. That's You're all like, it is. Okay. I was just Dan's fucking like, teeing up the ball, and you were Dan's like, like I'm trying to on think the brakes. Of, I'm trying to think of like a great book like I to put buy a, somebody. I put a tea ball. I put a ball on a tea, and you like balked. You're like, but then you said no. Then you said uh, as if you had another thing to say. So I was like, uh, well, Dan's using a space filler uh, sound like uh, and usually people do that to fill space between sentences or words. Uh-huh. So let's see what's coming up next. Let's see what hot new ideas coming out of Dan's <laughs> mouth. Oh, nothing. Oh, great. Okay, thanks. <laughs> so let me just promote. We've got a couple live shows coming up, as we've mentioned on this show before. Uh-huh. November third, coming up very soon after this episode comes out at yeah. Earlham College in Richmond, Indiana. Saturday, November third at seven thirty p.m. as part of the Earlham Artists and Lecture Series. The Flophouse is going to be there. We're talking about Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom, right? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, uh-huh. we're gonna that kingdom. If that kingdom's already fallen down, we're going to kick it while it's down. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, beware of dinos. Mm-hmm. Then on January 26th, 2019, that's right, the future, on Saturday, January 26th, we're going to be in Wisconsin. That's right. We don't care that it's winter in Wisconsin. We're going to be there anyway. We're going to brave the oh, cold. Oh, Jesus Christ. I didn't even think about U- that. What? Oh, yeah. it's the thing everyone mentions to me when I mention the show to them. They go, mm-hmm. you can go to Wisconsin in January? And I'm like, yeah, we don't give a shit. We'll deal with yeah, anything yeah, yeah. for our fans. Yeah. yeah. For our fans, we would walk through hellfire. We'd walk through blizzard fire. It's so, walk so through- brave of you to say. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and so Saturday, January 26th, January 26th at the University of Wisconsin-Madison at the Wisconsin Union Theater, uh-huh. we're going to be there. It's going to be great. Dan, it's going to be fantastic, guys. Dan, even though it'll be cold, you can eat a lot of cheese curds oh. and it'll make you feel good. I don't and, think that's And probably bloated. <laughs> I mean, I mean, to be fair, if the, if the dairy that sells ice cream at the University of Wisconsin is open, we should go to that. They make great ice cream there. Okay. All right. Let's say so. I hope it's open. Uh, cold then, outside, hey. cold inside. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's there's something that uh something that Sammy started saying when he gets into his bath on very particularly hot days, which we have a lot of here in sunny LA. He'll get in and go, ah, a nice hot bath on a nice hot day. <laughs> <laughs> Just on an elderly man. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds there's one time once when Danielle and I were having lunch at a diner and I and I got soup before my food and I was like, "Ah, oh, it's nice to have a nice cup of soup before food." And she was like, "You just sounded like the oldest man in the world." <laughs> uh, but guys, I'm not here just to talk about Flophouse. I'm also here to talk about the children's book event of the century. I'm uh-huh. not the 21st century. It's only been a few years. Uh-huh. Uh, horse Meets Dog. That's right. My kid's book with Tim Miller, my first ever kid's book. It's about a horse that meets a dog. It's called Horse Meets Dog. Uh-huh. It comes out October 30th, right after this this episode comes out. Right, Dan? Yes. Yeah, Dan. So pick it up or pre-order it at your local bookstore. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm going to be doing some Horse Meets Dog events that I'm going to tell you about now. I'm going to be touring for a few days all over the country, mostly school visits, but I'll be doing a few store appearances. Mm-hmm. For instance, Wednesday, November 7th at yeah. 4 p.m., I'll be at Green Bean Books in Portland, uh-huh. Oregon. 
That's Wednesday, November 7th at Green Bean Books. On Thursday, November 8th, the next day, I'm going to be at A Great Good Place for Books in beautiful Oakland, California at 7 p.m. I believe it might even be a pizza party. Uh, so that's – I'm in Oregon on November 7th. I'm in Oakland, November 8th. And then Sunday, November 11th at Skylight Books in L.A., I'll be having what is for me the like – hometown launch event for Horse Meets Dog. That's at 3 p.m. on Sunday, November 11th. Come on down to Skylight Books. It's a great store, and I'm going to try to make it so that we have cookies there. Wow, 3 3 p.m. You're going to get fucking raw, I bet, right? (laughs) Oh, yeah. That's when I get a little blue. Yeah, (laughs) the 3 p.m. show. No, just kidding. These are all-ages events. It's a kid's book. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. So don't come in expecting Elliot to do his like his his like super gross material. Yeah, he's not going to do his seven words you can't say on television. Uh-huh. Yeah, and I'm not going to do my uh, my joke about uh well, there's a joke I used to tell that was very vulgar, but I felt was constructed very well, and a former coworker of mine ruined it by <laughs> deliberately saying it wrong over and over again to uh, the point where I can never say it again or even hear it. Uh, I that 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 coworker was a difficult human being, but I always enjoyed that gag when he <laughs> yeah. ruined your joke. <laughs> yeah, you would go again, again, do it more, make him sadder, and I'd be like, Dan, but I thought we were friends. You accepted my friend request, and you're like, you're not invited to my birthday, mm-hmm. and I killed all your other friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm a ghost now, guys. <laughs> <laughs> So what? What could you imagine if there's one person who thought they were really close to Laura, and Marina is just not trying to kill them, and they're like. Come on, Laura. I thought we were really good friends. These but are the jokes that does... should have been in the movie. Yeah, it should have been. There's someone who's like, Laura, you were like, you were the the maid of honor at my wedding, but this demon is not trying to kill me. Are we not that close? And Laura's like, people drift apart. I'm sorry, Bethany. We're just not the close friends we were anymore. Mm-hmm. But maybe maybe kind of Laura's touching. trying to save Bethany's life, you know? Oh, good point. Good I like point. it. Okay. Uh, we we'll save we... it for friend request two. Request it again. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's move on to letters mm-hmm. before Elliot says something again. Uh-huh. And this first letter is from Matthias. Hey guys, what's that sound? It sounds like Elliot saying something again. And what he's saying is that we're all friends in the end. Friends to the end. Friends around the band. So please, won't you accept my request at your best? Open your chest and let me into your heart as your friend. Let's never part till the end. Get my request and be friends with the Flophouse Letters. Thank you for that letter song. Uh, So this is from Matthias, last name withheld, who writes, Dear Floopers, he says he intended to write floppers, but his phone keyboard had a weird hiccup. Thanks for telling us. Uh, (laughs) It certainly took less time than... Changing it manually. <laughs> <laughs> I'm currently listening my way through the back catalog and the intervals between new episodes. Uh-huh. Uh, so I'm getting a full dose of flop energy. And being German, one reoccurring element I kept noticing is Stuart's excellent grasp of the German language and German pop culture. Hell yeah. Stuart, not only were you able to casually drop the original name of the Three Penny Opera, mm-hmm. but you even offhandedly referred to the German hip-hop group Deichkind? Deichkind, dude. Okay. <laughs> who I don't think is internationally well-known. I'm sure you've mentioned it before, but do you speak the language, or is this just a range of coincidences I'm more primed to notice? And as a question to the whole gang, are there German movies you particularly enjoy? To make it a bit harder, I'm going to exclude the smash hits such as Das Boot and Lives of Others, or in order to preempt Elliot's answer, Metropolis and M. Greetings from a beautiful, autumnal southern Germany, Matthias. 
German film. Uh, yeah. And also a question for Stuart. Yeah, let me uh, jump right in here and answer some shit. Uh, <laughs> 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 yeah, I, uh, I, I studied German language in school, and then I spent six months uh, in school. I spent a semester studying in uh, mainly Marburg, Berlin, and uh, Wien. Uh, so yeah, and I won't shut up about it, right, guys? <laughs> Stuart is always telling us about his time in Germany. Like it's I'm, exhausting. I never really liked bread or brot until I had some hearty <laughs> German Schwarzbrot. <laughs> he, he's always he's always like, excuse me, or should I say, Entschuldigung. Thanks, guys. Entschuldigen <laughs> Sie. But it's uh yeah, but Stuart, yeah, he, he he often tells legends about his time in Germany, where uh, I believe you were what what do they call you over there? Uh, das Weiss Knight, the, the White Knight, or something like that. Uh, and you uh, you would fight yeah. dragons and things. Mm-hmm. I ate dragons and things. I was a real <laughs> yeah. Siegfried type character. <laughs> Siegfried from Soul Calibur, not the Nibling slide. Oh, and not Siegfried from Siegfried and Roy. <laughs> well, I mean, kind of in between that, to be honest with you. <laughs> Um, so, so German movies, huh? Stuart, what kind of German movies do you like? Uh, I mean, uh, it might, I mean, this was an Academy Award winner, but I like, uh, Die Blechtrommel, uh, the Tin Drum. I also, mm-hmm. I also like the novel. Uh, let me see. I feel like I've definitely seen some German horror movies that I've liked. Uh, and, uh, I like Downfall was a German movie, right? With the uh, Bruno Gans Hitler performance very, that has been much, very me- much so much memed. <laughs> Uh, it's a crazy thing that it is it is such an intense moment in a very intense movie about in a very intense subject and it's like meme it and it works so well <laughs> as a meme. Yeah. Yeah, what I mean that scene alone is like the idea of seeing an actor having to work through that and I don't know. Pretty great. Yeah. yeah. Uh Yeah, Dan, what were you going to say? Uh well, we actually brought it up earlier in the episode. I really like The Testament of Dr. Mabuse. That's ah. uh that's a very good uh, film. I, I I actually don't remember a lot about it. I just remember loving it a lot. And I remember the scene where they're trapped in a room with a bomb and they flood it to, to, to help themselves escape. Uh, and it's a very tense scene that you just sort of like, in a way that people I think who aren't familiar with older movies wouldn't expect out of an older film. Hmm. Um, but I also, I mean, I just like a lot of German expressionist films. I I some of them I like better in theory than in practice. Like everyone talks about the cabinet of Dr. Calgary. Like, and I saw like pictures of sets and cabinet of Dr. Calgary. I'm like, this movie must be the greatest movie ever. Uh-huh. And then I saw it. And I'm just like, okay, it's kind of boring. Like I probably yeah, got like, off. Keep better. that cabinet closed. Better. just. <laughs> it's fine to just see pictures of the sets and, and, and think about the movie. But you thought it was the cabinet of Dr. Calamari and you were just thinking about all that delicious squid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you pronounced that wrong. It's Gadamad. Oh, sorry. Yeah, the cabinet of Dr. Gallimard. <laughs> te- that's, yeah, in, in New Jersey, they say the cabinet of Dr. Caligar. But, cabinet uh, of Dr. Gabagool. <laughs> <laughs> now, there's a movie that I would see. Actually, I, I, I feel differently. Than actually, I, I like, love Gabagool. <laughs> <laughs> I like the cabinet of Dr. Caligari, but I feel that way actually about Nosferatu. I've always found Nosferatu to be kind oh, of a okay. boring movie. But the images that, the still image is really scary. I'm going to mention... Uh, to get something a little more modern here, because everyone expects me to say an old one, I really liked Goodbye Lenin when that came out. About right. uh, it's a family in East Germany when the wall is coming down, where the kids 
try to kind of not make make it so their mother does not know that East Germany is essentially collapsing and uh, as a way of making her feel better towards the end of her life. Uh, and I liked that movie, and I felt like it seemed – not that I experienced that moment in person. I was just a kid when it happened, and I was not living in Germany, but it felt like it captured the feeling of like, oh, like this something really amazing is happening, and life is changing in a way that seems like it's going to be much better. Obviously, life is messy, but I thought it really captured that moment really nicely. Okay, well, moving on. Uh, this next letter is from J. Elliot, last name withheld, mm-hmm. who writes – he has a secret identity. Maybe you can guess from the middle name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he writes, hello, my sweet... Just kidding. Hello, my sweet boys. I got sober about 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And during, Congratulations. Yes, and during the recovery process, I met some truly amazing people for whom alcoholism slash addiction turned out to be a fatal condition. After living through the deaths of these friends, I found myself completely humorless when it came to jokes about or a glib handling of drunks, addicts, or recovery in general. So, sorry for large chunks of this podcast. (laughs) I had never before lost my sense of humor about any subject, and until it happened to me, I never thought it could happen to me. So, I guess my question is, has anything similar ever happened to you? Are there any subjects you just can't laugh about anymore? Have you ever lost respect for an artist or their work due to their tone-deaf handling of a subject you are sensitive to? Yours in floppitude, J. Elliott, last name withheld. Uh, sensitive question i mean we this is the we end up talking about stuff like this kind of regularly i feel i mean both on the show and also i mean i find myself talking about it a lot in just in life at the bar <laughs> um <laughs> sorry to bring up bars yeah, you're, a real, you're, a re, you're a real Whoopi goldberg in uh in next generation type who's always talking to people about what's going on in their lives. <laughs> yeah guy nan's like uh so how do you separate art from the artist <laughs> <laughs> Uh, sorry, Dan got nervous and was looking at our, our, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just checking up on our, okay. Um, I mean, yeah, there's definitely stuff. Uh, I don't know. Lately, uh, lately I've, I, I get bothered more and more when, uh, comedies just lazily, uh, like fall back because, because people have, become slightly more enlightened and realize that certain subjects are not okay to make fun of. It seems like they, uh, some comedians and comedy writers fall back on classism more often than I'd like. And it kind of mm. bugs me because <laughs> like just doing like a poor Southern accent is not that, that alone is not a joke. And, uh, I don't know. I feel like classism sometimes fall. It just it seems like it's still an okay thing to make jokes about, and uh, like like being poor is a choice or something, and that that bums me out. Yeah, I don't have anything that comes from like the same sort of tragic place that uh, the letter writer is talking about, but I do feel like I have never particularly liked when uh, comedy is put. Uh, guys in drag and like the joke is just like that they're men wearing women's clothes or they're mm-hmm. like men trying to be ladies like that that has never been particularly funny to me even before I became slightly more enlightened than I was as a young person but like now with sort of trans issues and like the idea of gender spectrums like I find it even more off-putting like to just posit that as a joke mm-hmm. like oh a guys in 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 a woman's clothes you know yeah i i think uh 
there's something about like when a when a TV show or a movie kills someone as a joke, like if a death is kind of tossed off very casually, uh-huh. that like can work in the right type of thing, but it happens too much. And I think in a weird way, it's like just mainly mainly just growing up, but like becoming a parent has it's like oh I I see how easy it is for people to get hurt, you know. And there's people that I really worry about all the time and so it's hard for me to watch something and not be like who's the person that this is happening to there was a this is not a movie or tv show but there was a meme that was going around recently which was just people retweeting the headline neanderthal child was you know bones say neanderthal child was devoured by a giant bird or Mm -hmm. something like that Mm -hmm. and the meme was literally just people retweeting that headline and people be commenting and making jokes off of it and I was like, uh, I mean, even if this happened thousands of years ago, this is still a joke about a child dying. <laughs> like this is, and not a, not a, not a, not like a, like a fictional child, like which would be bad enough, but like a real human being, like a Neanderthal, but a real human of a sort, like was a was a child and was died at some point and was either eaten by a bird or killed by a bird. And it was like, I don't, I just don't see where, like, I don't, I don't see where the joke is, you know. And it's like a. We we had that you know recently we we were doing a pretty harsh takedown of true crime stories of podcasts uh-huh. but it's a little bit of that where it's like it's hard for me not to put myself in the position of the person who cares about this person that this thing happened to even if it's like an extra in a like I've been, I was reading a comic book recently where the main character was just kind of like in a funny way just like casually murdering bystanders because they're an assassin and I was like uh, this makes my tummy hurt I don't like this like this is not something that I <clears throat> that I'm enjoying uh. And though we didn't particularly touch on examples of, uh, you know, like people, artists that we admire who have bad takes on things, uh, since we, we kind of went vague, uh, one of the things that, uh, one of the things that I, uh, over the last few years only got made aware of is the amount of like, of, uh, turfs basically, you know, like trans exclusionary radical feminists within the British comedy community. And there's mm. a lot of British comedy that I like, and it is a little distressing that uh, whether whether or not it's specific takes from specific artists, or it's just that I now associate a lot of those uh, that scene with that those attitudes. It makes it kind of hard for me to be excited and seek out like British comedy shows. Oh yeah, I mean the best thing you can do if you want to enjoy any sort of comedy is never learn anything about the people who make it. Yeah. And anything, or listen to them outside of the work they're doing, and if, and then hopefully inside the work they won't say things you don't like. But what are you going to do? I would say uh, this is not exactly answering the question, but like I go back and forth a lot with Quentin Tarantino, where it's like uh-huh. I'm a fan of so so much of his work, but there's so much problematic stuff, even in movies that I like. Like I like Inglorious Bastards, but there's parts of it where I'm like, this is ragingly insensitive too the actual thing that you're handling. Yeah. And I have to tell myself, this is a movie about movies. This is not a movie about people or real history or real life. Because there's there's a bunch of parts where, in that movie where Quentin Tarantino is taking on the mantle of Jewish revenge against the Nazis. Mm-hmm. And it's like, this is a more complicated situation than I think you're going to be able to handle in this movie, Quentin. Like, I know that you probably mean well, but this is, there's, there's a lot going on here that you are stirring up that is not, doesn't, fit what you're doing you know doesn't doesn't work right but i just have to, i have to tell myself like he is working with tropes and uh-huh. he's not really thinking too deeply beyond that and at the same time i can understand people that uh are put off by that insensitivity and cannot accept it and will not appreciate him as an artist oh yeah i mean there's there is no artist that i feel so 
passionately that they're amazing that if someone was like there's a thing in that movie that just i i, I can't handle it because of this other thing i there's no artist where i'd be like well you're wrong <laughs> change the way you feel about things like this is what are you missing from your life it's the same way there was a time once and it, this is not exactly the same thing where we did a Flophouse live show, and I mentioned at one point that I had not seen any episodes of Community, and the audience booed me. And it was like, <laughs> it was like, dudes, if you are so obsessed with this thing that you can't even handle that I haven't gotten around to seeing it, that I didn't even say I didn't like it. I can't say I didn't like it because I've never seen it. If yeah. it like, then that's then that's not my problem. I'm really yeah, I'm really glad issue. that I didn't get to say I didn't like Community. Yeah, <laughs> it would have torn me to pieces. Oh, it would have been like the end of the Bacchae. You would have just been ripped to shreds and your head paraded around the town. Uh-huh. But I would have had a smile on my face. Mm. <laughs> they're, they're, ter- they're tearing your body apart and you're like, worth it. I would have said, I love making hot takes. Speaking of which, like, talk about a guy who, like, it's harder to enjoy his stuff now. Dan Harmon? Dan Harmon. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I like fair. all his shows pretty much, but, uh, boy, he's not a, not a good guy. When, From and, what I understand, yeah. and certainly has has had a a famous is a famously abrasive person. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, I guess what we're saying is it's up. Uh, there's a there's a certain part of me that always feels like it is up to a specific person to understand what is what is okay with them and what's not okay with them. Uh-huh. Yeah, you know, I th- and nobody I, can t- nobody can tell you you need to be okay with this thing. And I I mean I think that's uh, an important part of being a responsible appreciator of like pop culture and media is to hold it up to some kind of standard and to determine what your standards are. Yeah. Uh, one last, or if you're Dan, yeah. you call them dandards. <laughs> uh, yeah. Dandards. I, Cause I, joke, I place my personal brand on the English language <laughs> as often as possible. Yeah. Or as you call it your personal Dan. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's very confusing because he'll be like, oh, yeah, I had to get a birthday present or birthday and present. So I went to the McCoy store, toy store. And I'm like, uh, just use the same words we all use, Dan. It's very confusing. <laughs> Look, you're talking about it. Yeah, that's, that's true. Yeah, at least we're talking about it. He's like, I, I need to get some fried chicken. So I went to McCoy Rogers. Wait, okay, let me do the math. Oh, Roy Rogers. Okay, sure. It's like everything is Cockney rhyming slang with Dan. Wasn't that it's just these two words? Wasn't that a wasn't that a bit on uh, on Friends where Joey kept calling his Adam's apple a Joey's apple? <laughs> <laughs> you got me, friends. Yeah. Oh boy, it's not a bad joke. Um, one last letter that uh, it's from Neil. Last name with hell. Oh, I see a wry Neil smile Green. on your lips. Hi, flop stars. I've been really struggling with my belly flops lately. <laughs> I'm mostly over-rotating into a traditional dive posture, but occasionally landing feet first. Uh-huh. Wondering if you have any advice for splash maximization. <laughs> uh, you know, I find that when you're belly flopping, just just don't think about it too much. No, okay. That's how it works. <laughs> uh, say that again, Dan, but more like a song? That's how it works. <laughs> okay. Oh, uh, classic. Uh, yeah, I guess, I guess what Dan's saying, which I would agree with, is when it comes to belly flops... Uh, gravity is your friend. Uh-huh. Don't fight it. Your body's going to want to fight it because the feeling of falling through space is one that your body is not crazy about mm-hmm. because evolutionarily, in terms of man's ancient history, it would mean uh-huh. you were about to plummet to your death. But you want it to happen, so you got to fight that instinct and really give yourself over to gravity. Elliot's uh, paraphrasing the main monologue from the movie Gravity, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I would say, uh, you know, I I don't I don't want to surprise anybody. Hold on to your hats. 
But uh, when I'm trying to get maximum splash, I usually uh, I usually opt for a can opener instead of a belly flop. I know it's crazy, right? I just feel like uh, I get a little more splash zone. All right. So I hope that helps you with that totally uh, <laughs> sincere, non-ironic question. Mm-hmm. Take that, letter writer. Uh, hey, guys. This is the time of the podcast where we usually recommend movies that we liked, movies that probably you should watch instead of the one that we watched. Mm-hmm. Um, I got one. Uh-huh. I saw... Grip uh, it and rip it, Dan. Okay. <laughs> I will grip no. it, and then subsequently I will rip it. I'm not a fan of that phrase, and I've never fully understood what it means. <laughs> I don't know. I just know I don't like it. But in a different way, then, I've never really liked Kick the Tires, Light the Fires. That's another one I'm not a fan of. No? But not for the same reason. Okay. Stop burning all those tires. It's bad for the environment, dude. Exactly. But on the other hand, Bag It and Tag It, which should be horrifying to me, I'm like, all right, okay. Mm-hmm. You uh, put your groceries in a bag and then you slap a tag on it. Yeah. <laughs> yep. To be so to know which house it's going to be delivered to. Mm-hmm. Um I've almost forgotten what movie I was gonna talk about okay, after well, all that. You can do it now. Uh it's <laughs> called Hold the Dark. Hold the Dark. It's mm-hmm. a Netflix movie. That's the Spider Man aqua- one. What? <laughs> Spider Man movie? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was a movie that was acquired by Netflix. JK, JK. Um, I thought it wasn't developed by Netflix. It was acquired. I don't, well, I don't fucking know, man. Okay. One or the other. <laughs> I love I love the, the fourth degree that uh, that Stuart's giving you right now. Uh, just, like, just uh, one more thing. One it's more a Netflix thing. movie. One way or the other, it's a uh, Netflix movie. What? <laughs> um, uh, so they, so, uh, let me, so they caught this <laughs> flick in a net. <laughs> oh, that makes sense. That makes sense. <laughs> Uh, so hold the dark. It stars Jeffrey Wright. It stars uh-huh. Jeffrey Wright. I saw it in the theaters because I like the guy so the director uh, Jeremy, Jeremy Solnier Solnier. so yeah. much that I was like, who cares if I can see this for free at home? I'm going to go out to the movie theaters. I'm going to pay my money. I'm going to see it on a big screen. Mm-hmm. It's the same guy who made Blue Ruin and Green Room mm-hmm. and Murder Party and Murder Party. Yeah, that's another great one actually uh, that people forget about. Uh, and it's about like a- you just now. <laughs> <laughs> it's about Jeffrey Wright as a writer. He has been called to a remote town in Alaska by a mother who has had her child taken by wolves, and she wants him to kill the wolf that took the child. And there's a lot more to the story than that, but I will not ruin any of the the actual developments. That's just the setup. Uh-huh. Uh, and it contains a se- sequence in the middle that is one of the most harrowing sequences i think i've seen in a movie and it it made me feel like viscerally like i was in the action in a way that was very disquieting and um and he's a, he's a director who both i mean sony sonier sonier seems to like he he both has he makes violent movies and he makes the violence so tense and unpalatable yeah. and gross uh that and like and and like thoughtless like it feels like like it it feels like such a pointless thing even if there is some catharsis at the end which yeah. <laughs> question mark as to whether or not this movie gives it to you yeah i would say i was going to say um this movie has gotten i think slightly worse reviews than either of his preceding uh films that and- were cuz his uh, and he's paired with Macon Blair who was the star of some of his other movies and also the writer of his like writing partner. Yeah. Uh, and I, I would say that this movie for me, I enjoyed it 
about as much as the other movie. Like, I really liked it. But I can, I can see where people are coming from in that, like, there's a lot less humor in this movie than the previous couple of films. And certainly less than Murder Party, which has a lot of humor in it. Um, and it doesn't give you a lot of catharsis at the end of this the film. It, it this is, It's also, it's a slower burn yeah. than, than the other movies. It, it takes its time in a way the other movies, the other movies are not super speedy, but I feel like they move at a, at a more, at a brisker pace. Yeah. And that's actually, I mean, I haven't finished the movie yet. And one of the things I'm struggling with, with it is that it's moving a little slowly for me. Oh, maybe, I found maybe it. Maybe I just need to give myself up to it. I found it hypnotic in that way. And probably it helped that I saw it in the theater where you can give yourself full attention to something rather than. Oh, uh, you mean the best way to watch it isn't the way I've been doing it while I do my dishes <laughs> yeah. on an iPad yeah, with, <laughs> could, with the kitchen lights could on? Could be that that wasn't that what the director intended. <laughs> and I, uh, I'll also give the movie props for featuring, featuring a super dope tune by a Polish black metal band, Evil Feast. I guess I'll you give it you props for that, too. You didn't too. pick that up? No. <laughs> I, what I like give it props for is that Jeffrey Wright plays a writer, which leads me to believe there should be a movie where everyone plays <laughs> jobs based on their names. <laughs> so, like, Jeffrey Wright be a writer. Jeff Bridges would be a bridger, someone who makes bridges. We got a, uh, yeah, we got a Billy, Ratzenberger Billy, here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Billy Crystal will be a, would be a jeweler. So Wait, is that a guy who makes burgers out of rats? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> yeah, of course. All right. And uh, Craig T. Nelson would be the lead singer of the band Nelson. <laughs> I thought he was. <laughs> it's him and his brother, John T. Nelson. Yeah, uh, Kevin Bacon would be like a pig farmer mm-hmm. or a butcher. Okay. All right. Well, anyway, that's my You're, You'll probably think of a few more before the end of the episode. Oh, you know it, and I'll, inter- I'll interrupt whatever else we're doing. Uh, okay, well... Fictional character Jessica Fletcher would play a glove maker. <laughs> yeah, would make, would make... Well, I thought Fletcher made arrows. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I'm sorry. It, uh, but it could be... But someone... Uh, but uh, Tom Baker would be a baker. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Adele would be a computer. <laughs> <laughs> what a different world it would be if, dude, you're getting Adele meant that Adele was going to perform a concert at your house. Oh, man. Uh, so, <laughs> so I'm going to continue this trend. I'm going to recommend another movie from a... Uh, indie auteur director who released a movie on Netflix just now. Uh, I'm recommending Apostle, the new movie by Gareth Evans, uh, the director of The Raid, The Raid 2, uh, and a very stirring uh, section of, which one was that, VHS 2? I think that's the one, yeah. Um, And it is a, uh, well, when I saw ads for it, I kind of assumed it was a movie that was made just for me because it's the raid director directing my man, Dan Stevens. <laughs> uh, and it is a period piece where a man with a troubled past has to go uh, rescue his sister who has been abducted by an evil cult. Uh, and it basically is kind of like a, and there's scenes of extreme violence Uh and it's kind of like if somebody made a more violent version of the Wicker Man crossed with the Silent Hill video games. So check it out. Uh, and Michael Sheen's in it, too. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love if that's what the poster said. It's like, oh, and Michael Sheen's in it, too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, two great recommendations that I will now recommend. Also a great movie, but a different kind of movie. You guys may remember a few episodes back, I recommended the movie Tempopo, mm-hmm. uh, directed by Juzo Itami. Mm-hmm. And recently I saw his first movie, which is called The Funeral. Uh, and it's a movie that 
you might call like process drama uh-huh. because it's very much about the process of a family planning and pulling off pu- pulling off like it's a heist a, mm-hmm. mo- a family planning and then going through a funeral for the grandfather of family but it's both very funny at times and very serious and sad at times but it's like you're watch it's more like a portrait of a family than anything else where you're kind of dipping into the lives of each of the members of the family in ways that show you things about them but there's no like big dramatic confrontation at one point you learn one of the characters is having an affair and that's something that it just informs everything they do from that moment but mm-hmm. it's not like leading up to some big reveal where the, everyone finds out you know in the middle of the funeral and it's either hilarious or heart-wrenching or something so not like a that. not a plot heavy adventure is what you're saying it is no yeah this is not a this is not a plot heavy quest uh mm-hmm. it's not a it's not a roller coaster thrill ride but i found it to be really touch alternately really touching and just very interesting to see the family one partly if you have any interest in how a traditional japanese funeral is pulled off which is something yeah. i didn't know anything about that's interesting but it's everyone in it is really good and the characters are really strongly drawn in their moments and i just i thought it was i really enjoyed being able to kind of like experience this with this family and there's a speech that the grandmother at the end gives it's her husband who, who they're having the funeral for that is so like like kind of plain spokenly emotional and like heartrending in mm-hmm. a way that is a lot of the movie is I guess about the stru- the kind of forms of Japanese uh, ceremonies mm-hmm. and how the family has to keep contorting itself to do what is proper and right for a funeral even if it is stressful or not how they're feeling uh-huh. at the moment or there's a scene where they're literally watching a videotape that's about how you're supposed to talk to people at a funeral that you're that you're holding or or attending and. She gives this speech at the end that is so like kind of nakedly personal, and I just found it really super moving and and really beautiful. So the funeral, mm-hmm. from, not to be confused with Abel Ferreira's gangster movie, The Funeral, which mm-hmm. is a very different movie. This is the funeral, the Japanese. Movie. Yeah, I should clarify the movie I recommended, Apostle, should not be uh, confused with the Robert Duvall movie, The Apostle, which is still a good movie. Yeah, you could watch. You could do a double feature. <laughs> Or as Dan calls them, Danble features. <laughs> uh-huh. And uh, Hold the Dark shouldn't be confused with, I don't know, The Darkest Hour. Uh, That's the best yep, I could come up with. Okay, sure. Okay. Academy o- Dancer in the Dark? Mm-hmm. No. Uh, Darkness or- Falls? Darkness Falls. That the was most ironically way. named town in <laughs> history. <laughs> it, shouldn't be, it shouldn't be confused with Hold the Mayonnaise, which is what I would say if I was ordering a sandwich at a deli. Why would you hold the mayonnaise? Uh, shouldn't it go on the sandwich and not in your hand? <laughs> no, I want to hold it so I can use that as a lubricant for my own purposes later. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Depending on how good the sandwich is. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I Which you make sure to tell the deli man so that he does his best work. I'm like, deli man, if this sandwich is as good as I think it's going to be, then I'm going to show my appreciation in a way that you might not expect. <laughs> wow, wow, that's the uh, like clickbait headline of the century right there. <laughs> <laughs> this this deli sandwich was great, and you'll never guess what happened next. <laughs> well, you're I'm, like, why does this have a picture of Jody Sweeten here from Full House? <laughs> it's insane. I guess I have to click through. None uh, of these are censored historical photos. I wouldn't believe they're just. Hey, this is just public domain photography that you made, made me click through. I think that this is the perfect gross note on which to end. Uh huh. So uh, um, thanks for listening. Oh, yeah, you had something to say before we go, Elliot. Before we go, I just want to remind people we're part of the Maximum Fun Network, and there's a lot of great Maximum Fun shows on there. I want you to enjoy them all. But 
if you liked this show, if you always liked it, if you just started liking it, or if you're worried you won't like it anymore and you want to take advantage of this one moment where you like it, please leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, Podcatcher or uh, Earspin or uh, Pod News or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, someplace. somebody told me that like we need new listeners, and that's a way we can do it. <laughs> So and and feel free to tweet about us. Use the hashtag Flophouse. Instagram about us. Use Facebook. Just make sure not to befriend Marina because she'll kill everyone you know and then turn you into a Marina. I feel like uh, I feel but, like as long as you don't unfriend her, you're fine. Uh, yeah, but you have to invite her to your birthday party, and it's just awkward. Oh right. Yeah. Uh, so again, go to Max Fun. Listen to all those shows. Leave some reviews for us. Tell people about us. We would love that. All right. Well, thanks, uh, everyone. It's been great to talk to you, as always, and great to talk to the audience. Uh, but it's time to go. So for the Flophouse, I've been Dan McCoy. Hey, I'm Stuart Wellington. I'm Elliot Kalin in sunny Los Angeles. Sorry. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> yeah, if we don't uh, if we don't get ad money, we're going to have to close the Flophouse, guys. Uh-oh. I guess we're going to have to do, do a, a dance competition. A dance com- I was going to say a bikini car wash, but okay. I guess dance we'll competition do a, is no, no, slightly we'll do, more PC. <laughs> we'll do a bikini dance car wash competition. Uh, <laughs> and the guys in the cars are like, my car's not getting very clean with all this dancing going on. Mm-hmm. What, what Do you think that there's a lot of reviews online for the bikini car wash that are mad at how poor their, the car wash aspect of it is? Yep. <laughs> and they're like, uh, they played the song... Pony by Genuine <laughs> on repeat like 10 times. <laughs> I will say my windshield ended up very clean until the boob prints began to mess it up again. <laughs> yeah, well, they started to appear. And they didn't even offer to do the interiors. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.